Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and I'm so excited. I told you, this was an interview I've been wanting to do for a long time. I've been wanting to do it since last season because our guest today, her book literally put me on my therapist's couch for about three months in tears. It, she created, not she created, but her work sparked this existential questions and had me wondering, what am I really doing with my life? And where did I get that from? And all of these things, and I'm actually going to read you the line that actually brought me to the therapist's couch because my, my therapist was like, okay, what I do know, Deb, what did she say? What did she say exactly in her book that brought us here? And so here was the line. She says in her book, Embracing Uncomfortable, the false identities, values, and purposes we're pursuing because we've convinced ourselves that's what we really want without carefully considering the outcomes consistently with our core values. And I was like, literally, this is like on page 23, that brought me up short. I'm like, wait a minute, where did I get this identity from? Where did I get this notion that this is what I'm supposed to be doing? And so... I went through the uncomfortable work of unpacking all of these notions about what I was supposed to be and, and how I wanted to be seen and how I was showing up. And that's why for this series, Inner Work, I could think of no other person than to facilitate this conversation than Dr. Deborah Gordon, who is the Director of Clinical and Mental Health at Moody Bible Institute and the author of Embracing Uncomfortable. Her link is in the show notes. Welcome to my show, Dr. Deb. Thank you for coming to Whole and Complete today. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. And um, yeah, anytime somebody reads those words, I'm like, oof, I, it's, it's like a direct hit to me too. Like practicing what you preach is so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. And throughout the series, so you've been able to listen to, to part of it. And I've been using this analogy of kind of we're in the springtime and it's spring cleaning. I've been using this analogy about decluttering and when it's physical clutter, it's kind of obvious, you know, you're tripping over stuff and things are falling out of closets and drawers and things like that. And you're like, okay, I need to clean this up. But when it comes to our emotions, what are the signs? And that's what we've been talking about. What are the signs where you start to think, you know what, I might need to do some work. I might need to talk to somebody or I might need to start thinking about why I'm consistently feeling a certain way. And so how about we start there? What are some of the ways that you direct people or, or, or indicators that, hmm, I might need to do some inner work? Yeah, that is such a great question. So I have this thing and, and here's, and here's what's hard is we all do this. There's this marker that I pay attention to when people are talking about their emotions and it's this way of describing, they say, instead of, I feel, they say, I am. Um, so like, I am anxious, I am depressed, I am overwhelmed. And part of that is we've been conditioned to, to speak that way as, as a society. Um, but what I'm attuned to is how much are you making your emotions, your identity and kind of dictating the way you're navigating your circumstances. And so that's kind of the piece for me that, that is a trigger to, to pouring into or speaking into this area of decluttering our emotions. Um, and, and where I go after with my clients in particular of, okay, how can we set the boundary between a very real emotional experience you felt and you continue to feel 
X, Y, and Z, um, but create a really healthy boundary around that emotion um, that prevents it from seeping into kind of the core of your identity or how you view yourself in relationship, how you feel, how you understand your worth and your value as a human being. That's the marker for me. I am versus I feel. You know what? So listeners, you do know, (laughs) because I talk about this all the time. They think I'm joking. I have, and Dr. Deb is about to see, I have a pink tambourine that whenever somebody on my show says something that I'm just like, oh, that is powerful. And now I want to pass the offering tray. I never shake the tambourine because, you know, auditorily, that's not a pleasant experience, but I will give you a couple of things. That is really powerful that it, it seems small, but, but truth be told, that is a significant difference in terms of I am this versus I feel this because I am goes directly to the heart of identity. And a lot of times what we say after those words, I am angry, I am this, I am whatever, on some level, we began to accept as truth, like this is who I am. And so if we're believing that, it kind of sends us down this path of believing that we're one thing when the truth is we might very well be something else and we can't differentiate between the two. Yeah. And you know, how, how many of us have the experience of others rejecting our emotional experiences? And it, when it's a part of our identity, it's so easy for us to interpret that as a rejection of our core being. Um, and, and truth be told, I think people, some people may be responsible for, for that experience, but when we can separate the two out, we have a healthier approach to the relationship and we can say, you know, okay, this is a relationship I'm invested in. I want to take the time to clarify with this person that this is how I'm feeling and that it's my experience and I need validation of that versus perhaps this is a, this is a more toxic situation and I need to set a healthy boundary with this person and actually kind of maybe reduce some of my interactions or contact with that person. So this is really timely. I listeners, unless you've been living under a rock, whether you watched it or not, there was the interview that was right with Oprah Winfrey and Meghan Markle and Pierce Morgan. I hate to even say his name on my show. It's like Voldemort, right? It, he has been, Meghan Markle has been living rent-free in his head ever since he did not get an invitation to the Royal wedding. He has been trashing her from top to bottom ever since. And so the day that, that she comes out and she says, I was suicidal, which took me aback. It would, it broke my heart in so many ways and for him the very next day to say I don't believe that I don't believe that that the damage that that does and it goes to the heart of what Dr. Deb is talking about because sometimes you do have these emotional experiences and there's often a temptation for people to be like oh it wasn't that bad or you know suck it up or you know soldier on or please compare to what I went through, like all of a sudden there's kind of like this jockeying for, uh, for position or the oppression Olympics, like, oh, what you went through was pales in comparison to this other thing. And that's not the point of this at all. The, the point of this is inner work and inner work is not always going to have external validation. And you have to be okay with that before you start the inner work, because this is a journey for you. It's not for other people to kind of like give you the gold stamp and give you the gold star. 
Yeah. Well, that's such a relevant example. And I, I kind of had a hunch you might bring this up. You, you might not know this. I kind of fangirl you on Instagram. So I saw you Aww. post about you have such you, oh, you have such wisdom and, and I just appreciate what you share, but yeah, I watched, I watched the interview and I like you, I was in tears when she talked about that experience and, you know, growing up and I, I was, you know, my young adulthood years when princess Diana was, uh, tragically died. And so just thinking about, you know, the circumstances and the trauma that these kind of outsiders brought into the Royal family have experienced, I'm sure within the family as well as we heard, but, but yeah, just the invalidation. I mean, that's, that's at the core, right? The invalidation that this so-called journalist engaged in after hearing her story. And, and, and it's not about, or it's not even my responsibility. When I think about sitting across from my clients, I know their truth. That's it. I, I don't, you know, most often it's my client and that's the context I get for everything in their life. It's their experience, their perspective. And the reality is no matter what their circumstances, their emotional encounters and outcomes of those circumstances are valid. And to invalidate anyone's experience in that way, you're, I love oppression Olympics. I mean, that's such a great and unfortunately tragic descriptor, but I mean, it's spot on. And I think when we can validate and, and really own our own emotional experiences, it actually does create space for others to have theirs as well, because it's not a part of you know, again, it goes back to that piece of identity. Where, where does your identity lie? And if it's in those emotional encounters, then of course you're going to be jockeying for that position and putting other people down all the time because it, it, it constantly puts you on this roller coaster of validation or invalidation. But when we can say, Hey, regardless of circumstances, your feelings and your experience are valid it's not about agreement. It's just about acknowledging the humanity of the person. Yes. Yes. That is. So listeners, I don't want you to miss this point. And I, I, I wrote this down. First of all, just FYI, there is a difference between agreement and validation. There, there's a word. Listen, people are not, can, can look at an issue and come to it from very different viewpoints and they can disagree and say, I don't agree with that. At the same time, I respect what you're saying and I hear that and I, I, I recognize and, and just want to validate that, that viewpoint, that that's a valid point of view. And sometimes that's all you're going to get. That, that's enough. And one of the things that uh, you mentioned, two things actually, this ownership of identity, this is really important because it was that identity that, that who am I and not who am I on social media and who am I at the job? But like, who am I really? Like, how am I showing up? And is this an authentic way to show up? Is this notion of ownership of identity? And sometimes people will try to thrust that upon you. And so I could totally see people thinking, looking at somebody like Meghan Markle and thinking like, oh, she's got it made. She's secured the bag. She now is going to be ball gowns and fancy jewelry. And, you know, she'll never have to work another day in her life. All that glitters, <laughs> all that glitters is in. And so the, the notion of what the identity of someone in royalty should be versus what it actually is and how powerful it was 
to reclaim that. She says, what was actually killing me, what was doing me in was this false identity of what everybody else thought I was supposed to be doing and how I was supposed to be living my life and how charmed and set up it was supposed to be. What saved me, which was the other point that you made was speaking your truth. And that's the next question I wanna ask. When is a good time to speak your truth and why is it necessary or if not necessary, valuable to speak your truth? Because something that she said in that interview that really stuck with me, she said, I said it to my husband. I spoke it to him out loud so that I would not do it. And when she talked about she had suicidal ideation, she said it was necessary for me to say that to him so that I would not carry this internally and then follow through with it. So that's my question to you. When is it a good time to speak your truth and why is it valuable to do so? Yeah. Okay. So I come at this question from two angles. One is, um, I'm going to speak on the second angle first and then answer the first part of your question, but the, the relationship is so critical to our holistic well-being. I mean, I love the title of your podcast. And I think about our holistic self relationship is such a key part of that healthy relationship. Right. And so when I say that, you know, I, I just, that's a charge to, to anyone listening to really think about the way in which they create space for relationships in their lives. Um, and, and, and the way they create space for other people. I think that's so important. Um, but to come back to the question of when we should speak truth, you know, I, I think probably more often than not, that vulnerability piece and that connection that comes from vulnerability is so necessary to our healing. And, and so I think, you know, finding those spaces where you can be authentically you and embraced for that. And I love that you're highlighting this really valid truth that, validation and agreement are not synonyms. They're not, I don't know where they slipped into this category of synonymous, but like, can we do away with that? Um, because, you know, I think it's so critical to just be recognized and embraced and to have a space where you can be authentically you without having this pressure of being agreed with, or, or having to agree with the other person. And then I think the second part of it is just knowing in this space um, I'm, I'm again, validated and embraced for, for having just humanity and being human. And I think putting that out, um, can be just such a healing bomb in that place of needing to speak truth. But the critical piece is knowing that you have that healthy community. Cause I do think that there are some people who are in the midst of their traumas for whom, you know, maybe putting that out there is, is almost like preparing yourself for surgery when your body isn't quite ready for that vulnerability. And so I do think there needs to be that level of discernment where hopefully that person is maybe speaking with a professional, a, a counseling professional or someone else um, who can really speak into that area of their lives before maybe they, they can open up to a healthy community that can embrace them. So there's a couple of, I think it's a layered question. Hopefully that provides some clarity around it. It really does. And I'm for Megan to have shown up in that interview and be able to speak to the, you can tell there she's done some work. There she's was done some, some work. work. She's done some work, you know, to get to that point, to get to that place. I mean, she suffered a miscarriage, like just in the midst of turmoil. And now she's like, I'm at peace. This isn't an ideal situation, but I am at peace. But I do want to want to touch on two things. 
one, a healthy community. So what I mentioned in the last episode is that sometimes the inner work is not only is it necessary, but it's not something that you have to do by yourself. Okay. So when you are able to find a a trusted soul or a professional or a affirming community, that's a really wonderful place to be. At the same time, when you arrive at your truth, when you have come to terms with some things and some things have been revealed in your life, that does not mean that everybody who was attached to that story is at that same place. And it reminds me of Plato's allegory of the cave. And so listeners, I encourage you go on YouTube and Google Plato's allegory of the cave. And there's kind of like this cartoon Ted type video and I show it in class all the time. But to simplify, uh, there's this kind of analogy of being locked up in this cave and then one of the the people gets free. And so they get free and then they go out of the cave and all of a sudden their eyes are adjusting to like the blinding light. and, And all of a sudden, they realized that everything that they knew inside that cave is not real. All they knew was shadows on the wall. But when they get outside the cave, they see that there's like rivers and streams and trees and grass. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is phenomenal. And of course they run back into the cave to say, let me tell you all these wonderful things that I found. But the people in the cave, they're like, you're crazy. I don't know anything about that. Like all we know was the shadows on the wall. And so to the point of hostility, where just because that's your truth, it doesn't mean that they're ready to come out of the cave with you and you have to make peace with that. So everybody in your circle is not always going to be ready to hear your truth. At the same time, it is important to have relationships, partnerships, trusted individuals who are are willing and ready to help you in this journey. Which brings me to the next point. So one of the things that I said, I'm sure you've been through this because you have moved and you have relocated. And when you try to like organize your closet or the kitchen or whatever, it always looks worse before it looks better. It always, you're, I mean, there's a part of you that's like, maybe I was better off when all this stuff was like jammed in the box or stuffed in the corner because now it was laid out everywhere and there's no place to walk. And you get this point where you kind of start to regret because now you're in the messy middle of the process. But oh man, when it's finally all said and done and now it's clean and it's clear and you've got clear sight lines and it's just such a relief. Can you walk us through that part? Because when you open up that Pandora's box of whatever is going on in your life, there is going to be a messy middle. And I think that that's the part where people are like, "Mm, maybe things were better when I wasn't doing this work. Yeah. Let me just, let me just shove it all back in the box and put it at the top of the closet and pretend it's not there. Oh, I so can relate to that. Um, and, and I've, I've probably been in that circumstance myself. So I would say, first of all, having those expectations up front are so important, right? Just recognizing that this is going to be a messy process. I grabbed coffee with a friend the other day, and we were actually talking about this very thing. Like, it is hard to do the work. And just when you think, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not in my twenties anymore. I'm not a spring chicken. I'm not, I'm not old by any means, but, but I've lived a little bit of life. And, you know, I think in each stage of my life, I thought, okay, 
I've done the hard work. I've figured it out. I've worked through this. I'm good to go now. And, you know, then all of a sudden it, it rears its ugly head again. And so my approach to it, actually a lot like unpacking boxes, believe it or not, is you get really excited and you get really motivated and there's that initial momentum and then, yeah, it gets real messy. And that's where I'd say, pace yourself, take it one step at a time. Just like I have learned probably the hard way that this isn't the checkbox done with working through my stuff <laughs> from here until the day I die. This is, this is going to be a process in the moment of it too. And so I don't want to push myself to the point of exhaustion and burnout. I don't want to hide again and put everything back in the closet. I'm going to take it one step at a time and I'm going to give myself grace in the journey to take a break when I need to, to, to sit with the messiness and just, you know, take a deep breath and at times pick up one box and say, okay, if all I can do today is organize this tiny shoe box of clutter in my mind and my life, that's what I can do. And that's okay. And that's okay. Which brings me to the reason because Dr. Deb is the first, she didn't invent this term, but she's the first person that I ever heard say it. And I was intrigued by it and subsequently brought her book. And I was like, I have to get her on the show to talk about this. These are the words that I heard first uttered from Dr. Deb. It was the words radical acceptance. And I'm going to totally butcher this analogy. So let me tell you where I met Dr. Deb. So I was so the church that I currently am a member of now. So I'm a member of, of Progressive. And she there was a women's conference. It was like the last thing Progressive did right before the pandemic hit. So it's like we slid in at the buzzer, right? And I think that the analogy or the story that you told was like, say you're walking down, you know, the, the, the river walk of the Chicago river and somebody comes along and just like bumps you into the river. And now you're in the river. It's dirty. It's nasty. It's flailing. And now you have some options about like how you're going to handle this. You can be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Somebody. And these were my new shoes and Oh boy. Or you can get to a place of radical acceptance. Dr. Zia, please explain what that is, how it's relevant to this context. You did a, you did a great job summarizing that hey. analogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's so hard to believe it was a year ago, but radical acceptance, I, I find it is the simplest concept to explain and the most difficult to implement because a lot of people assume radical acceptance is either resignation right? So I just kind of have to give up and surrender. This is how it's always going to be. Or I think they see it as denial of kind of their own experience of the situation. Like I have to minimize my feelings or pretend that they don't exist in order to move forward. And those are such false beliefs when it comes to radical acceptance. Radical acceptance is simply stating and embracing the reality that these are my circumstances right now with everything connected to them, right? So in the analogy of the river, you're in the river. You didn't choose to be there. It's disgusting. You're terrified and you don't want to be there anymore. Those are all a part of things that have to be radically accepted in order to make the decision to swim to shore. And, you know, I, I can, I, I can think of so many of my clients. I can think of circumstances in my own life. I didn't choose. They didn't choose to be where they're at now. And it's really easy to get stuck in that place of, constantly judging the other people in our lives or holding on to bitterness and anger and hatred. 
for what put you in that place. And, and by no means do I want anybody who's listening to hear that your feelings aren't valid. They're absolutely 100% valid, but there comes a point in life where we have to look at where we're at and the circumstances of our situations and say, okay, based on what I have available to me, this is what I want to do to move forward. And we have to know where we're at in order to begin that journey. I'm pulling out the tambourine again, y'all. Like I just going to give you. I got two tambourines. Right? You did. Got two. It's, it's almost like watching the Great British Bake Off, and you get the Paul Hollywood handshake. You're like, oh my yes. god. People don't even care about winning the show if they get the Paul Hollywood handshake. That is it. I love the. I wrote them down. Making the decision that I'm going to swim to shore, listeners. That is it. That is that is what inner work is all about. When you find yourself in a set of circumstances or mental spaces or emotional occurrences, and rather than go down the spiral of whether it's victimization or this was wrong and I was wronged and I want to be right about being wronged and, and there's, and that's, that's legit, you know, like there is a time and space for that, but at the same time, making the decision that I don't want to be here anymore. I want to get out of the river. I want to get dry. I want to get clean. I want to, to move towards something else and different and better because to use the analogy of the river, the longer you stay there, the sicker you become. Like just that environment, the toxicity of it, after a while it starts to seep and it starts to fester and it starts to grow. And so listeners making the decision to swim to shore out of those circumstances is one of the best decisions that you can make for yourself. Because I will tell you from experience, and I'm sure Dr. Deb has her own, I I, I tried the whole compartmentalization. That was, I would put it in boxes and I'm like, yeah, there's a dumpster fire, but bills got to be paid. Yeah, there's a dumpster fire, but I got a child to raise. Yeah, okay, but try paying a bill with your feelings. Like I, I was so like, oh no, you know, because strong women don't do that. We just suck it up, soldier on and hold up the bloodstained banner. And I was emotionally crippled by all of that. And showing up on the podcast, you know, like get, dispensing advice and wisdom. So many people tell me that like wisdom, I should get a little owl tattooed somewhere, you know, and, and, and wise. And I'm like, okay, but I, at some point I need to, to start applying this to my own life, you know, and taking, taking my own advice. And so Dr. Deb, in addition to your book, you also have a podcast with, so as I mentioned, listeners, Dr. Valencia Wickens, Dr. Mary Hendrickson, like these are Dr. Deb's peeps. Like they are like the trifecta um, over there at Moody. And so they have been on this show. So please tell people how they can get in contact with you, how they can access counseling resources in addition to buying your book. Absolutely. Uh, yes, my heroes, Dr. Wiggins and Dr. Hendrickson that I have the honor of working with. So um, I do a podcast with Dr. Mary Hendrickson called Becoming Well. You can find it on any of the major podcast hosting platforms, um, Apple, you know, Spotify, all the places where you can listen to podcasts. Um, we do also offer community-based counseling services at Moody and we are open to the public. We offer affordable sliding scale counseling services from a diverse range of well-qualified and trained counselors. You can find resources for that at M T 
mtscc.org, which stands for Moody Theological Seminary Counseling Center, but just remember mtscc.org. And you can always connect with me um, as well through my website, debgorton.com. And um, yeah, just, I'm so honored and grateful to be here and to connect with you. And I feel like we have developed this long distance relationship in the midst have, of COVID. And <laughs> I am championing you on and just so grateful for, I hope you get that owl tattoo because you are a wealth and well of wisdom that I glean from Thanks. regularly. Literally same. And let me tell you why I rock with Dr. Deb because, and, and the, the church that I go to, which is where we, we, we found one another and intersected because when I grew up in church, it was Jesus and it was pray and walk away. And it was, if you have problems, don't, you better not tell nobody, but God, like that's that I, that was the river I was swimming in. Okay. So even growing up in, in a church, that was the river I was swimming in. And so to have emerged from that, and as I was swimming to shore, realizing that you could have Jesus and you could have a therapist and neither negated the other. And to see people actually doing that work and continuing to bring those two uh, entities together, that is that is my jam. And so that's why I have such respect for what Dr. Deb is doing and Dr. Valencia and Dr. Mary, because I'm, I'm trying to pull more people out of that river. That's what I feel like my work is doing is, is pulling people out of that river, but I can't pull people out of the river y'all. If I'm still in it. Hello, somebody. Mm. I, get, you know, <laughs> I, I had to get up out of the muck and the mire so I can help other people get out of the muck and the mire. So thank you so much. And I will put all of your links uh, along with the podcast links, as well as the community counseling links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Dr. Deb. And if you guys have any questions, comments, shout outs, I literally, one of my listeners, Lucretia, I'm going to call you out. So Lucretia, she also was brought to the place of tears and existentialism by your book. And she left me a voice note on Instagram last week. She was like, you're going to have Dr. Deb on the show. I said, yes. She was like, oh my gosh. I can't wait. So you have a fan base, ma'am. Like you keep singing my praises, but I'm telling you, you are out here doing the Lord's work and I appreciate you for it. So you guys, you can hit me up at Dr. Shante says, and I will see you all next time.